wanted to share with you on this special Father's Day someone that, uh, about a person who was an incredible father of our faith in the New Testament. Probably someone that, uh, that I would like to model my life on. Someone in the Bible. Okay, he's a well-known, well, he's quite a well-known person, but not as well-known as some. Okay. Because I've found that, well, in my life, uh, in, my, in my journey with the Lord, I've written this down, I wrote this down, I was preparing, so I'm going to read it off. It's not, it's not the few with great gifts that advance the kingdom as much as the many ordinary people trusting an extraordinary God who is able to transform the mundane into the miraculous. Can I read that again? I wrote this morning as part of my intro. It's not the few with the great gifts that advance the kingdom so much as the many, many ordinary people trusting in an extraordinary God who's able to transform the mundane into the miraculous. So I look around me, and I see ordinary people, and I look at myself, and I see, man, when we trust in the extraordinary God, every single one of us can have extraordinary lives. I don't know any of you like Lord of the Rings. Okay. So Gandalf said this to one of the hobbits in one of the battles that was happening with the orcs, okay? And it looked like uh, the battle was too much for them, uh, for, for the humans and forever, the goodies, okay? And he said this to the, one of the hobbits. I don't know which one it was. He said, I've found that it is the small everyday deeds of the ordinary folks that keeps the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. And so I want to speak to you about a man by the name of Barnabas, who to me is a father of faith and lived a life uh, a lot of the time behind the scenes. Someone that's not written too much about, didn't write a letter, uh, didn't have much said about him, uh, except in the book of Acts, there's quite a bit said about him. So I'm going to, this evening, just touch on the Father uh, and how he, as a father of our faith, reveals the heart of the Father to us. And trust me, I'll get through some of these things. And I want to encourage you because I think I was thinking about this congregation being a small congregation. You think, oh, we're being insignificant. Or maybe not as important as Sunningdale, AM or PM or one of the other congregations that, I do, that I've got numbers and and got buildings, and got facilities, and got all these things. But nothing that God does or starts is insignificant. Amen? And so I want to just encourage you with that. Um, Matthew 5, verse 5 uh, says, uh, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. See, the meek is probably one of the, probably one of the most, powerful characteristics for us to have. You inherit the earth. There's something of someone who's meek, someone that's humble. I'm going to show you what a meek person does, because Barnabas, to me, is a father who demonstrated an example of what it means to be meek. See, not weak, meek. Because <laughs> meekness is strength. Is strength. Um, so the other, the other day, uh, Kim and I, we were away in Pretoria, we're away for about 12 days now. Matt, Mattie's the younger of my two granddaughters, and we came back, and she's uh, very uh, Our grandchildren are very close to us, and we came back from this long time away, and my kids were looking after our house while we were away, and we came back, and they were there, and we were all together as a family, 
and then the kids went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, Matty wakes up. And she's obviously sleeping with, with her mom, Jess. And she says, Mommy, I've got lots of hugs in me. Nan and Papa are back. <laughs> and that stuck in my mind. I've got lots of hugs in me. I think Barnabas had lots of hugs in him. Lots of hugs. And I, and I think this thing of encouragement, this thing of s believing the best of others, which I touched through, is something with some, we actually can miss it at times in a busy church like we are. So many things happening. 412, happening, okay. Yoo-hoo, okay. And then this training, and then there's this marriage course, and then there's this happening, and then that. There's just so much happening that sometimes we may forget to do something. Uh, at times, the most important thing is hug someone with your words with your body language, with a, with a WhatsApp message, <laughs> whatever it is, hug someone. Because I think the Lord wants to, us to have a lot of hugs in us. God does not want us to settle for the ordinary life. He wants you to settle yourself in an extraordinary God. Don't settle for an ordinary life. Settle for the extraordinary God. Settle yourself in Him. Because there's lots of hugs in God. There's lots of words in God, lots of encouragement in God. There's lots of love and comfort and all these things in God. Hello, amen, you're with us, okay. So this is where we're going to go. So I'm going to give you, um, as I said, I'm probably not going to get through it all, but I want to go through, I think it's five or six traits. There you go, Julian, for you especially. Writing the notes, okay. <laughs> and I'm going to touch, uh, I'm just going to touch some verses in the book of Acts as his name comes up here and there. Not the main player in the book of Acts, but his name comes up all over the show, okay. But this is the verse that I think epitomizes meekness and what a father heart is and the father faith that he, that he, that he models. It's uh, Acts 11, verse 24, speaking about Barnabas. And I want to say, point number one, Barnabas was a godly man. Godly man. I think God liked him. I think God liked him. He says, for he, Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. This was, he was in Antioch at the time, which I'll allude to just now. And a great many people, people were added to the Lord. You see, he was a man who made God look great by bringing joy to others. He made God look great because he brought joy and encouragement and comfort to others. He couldn't do this just by doing good things. He did this because he was full of courage that the Holy Spirit gave him and full of conviction because that's what faith gave him. See, the Holy Spirit in us gives us courage, positions us for courage. See, I don't always feel courageous. I don't always feel brave. But when I position myself in the Holy Spirit, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I am positioned in courage and I do courageous things. And you'll see what he did. <laughs> Some of the stuff that Barnabas did was like, eesh, very courageous. And he was full of conviction. He knew that this is what the Lord said. He had, he had faith. He, had, he was full of faith. So if anything this afternoon, 
that is what I want to put into you. That you would be known as he was a good woman. He was a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of faith. Amen? He was a godly man. He liked God. And God liked him. And, and uh, he trusted God for the, for the impossible at times. And we are vessels to be used by the Holy Spirit. We are vessels for the Holy Spirit to use. But we need to activate faith in our lives to become everything that God wants us to become. If we're going to be those who inherit the earth, the meek, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Okay. So that is the foundation for his life. Then in Acts, so Acts 4, let's go back a bit. So that is kind of the summary of uh, kind of what, what he was as like. But I want to say, Yara is where he comes in in the picture. This is Acts 4, verses 32 to 37. I probably won't read the whole section, so I'll just highlight parts of these verses. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were one heart, soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Okay, so this was the church that got saved, the gospel impacted their lives, and it became this community of passionate Jesus followers, loving each other, loving the church, loving what God was doing, and because of that, there's this, God was adding daily, there was this growth that happened. Okay, so now I'm going to give you some clues on how this church is going to grow. Musenberg, how are you going to grow? Okay. And then it says, further on there, uh, it says, so people brought stuff. There was no needy people among them. Then it says, thus Joseph was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. A Levite, native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So first of all, not, he was a godly man, but he was also a very good man. He did good things. He showed the goodness of the Father. So his name, Joseph, means God will add. Okay, I'm going to go now because that's actually what God's going to do. He's going to add one life at a time. And that's how God grows the church. Simple. It's maths. <laughs> and I'm not a maths teacher. Okay. God will add. He will add. So that was his name. And you saw what happened to the church? God added the church. So God needs men and women like Joseph. But combined with that, he had, he had I don't know what the Lord did to him, but did something really special with him. Combined with his personality and his character, whatever it was, he was a kind man. He was, I'll show you just now what else he did. But it says, so he was a, not only was he a, someone who added to the church. Are you someone that adds value to this church? I want to say, if God and the Holy Spirit's in your life, you better be. Because the Holy Spirit's in you and the Holy Spirit has added value to you. Let me tell you something. Jesus Never fell in love with a future version of yourself. He was in love with you as you are. That's why I sent Jesus. Let me say that again. God is not in love with a future version of you. 
will never be masked. He wants to use you. And this was a man that, that would made himself available to be used of God. He was a man that saw that God had done something in his life and he wanted to add value to the local church. And in adding value, he said, I can encourage people. I'm going to show you what he did, some of the ways that he encouraged. I'm going to encourage one person, one life at a time. One of the things that I learned when I moved from Leeds, so Kim and I led the church in Mossel Bay for 11 years. We planted the church in Mossel Bay, the one that is now a Josh Jen church. And man, it's just God's doing incredible things. And we're just so happy and joyful that God is doing something incredible there. So I'll touch on some of those things as we go along if I get a chance to. But one of the things that I learned, and uh, I remember coming to Cape Town and Dylan and Heike and their comm group. Do you remember that, that, that night? <laughs> we had uh, tired, we had moved, 176 boxes we had. <laughs> we moved into this house, and Dil, Dylan and Heike and their comm brought us food, prayed for us, prophesied over us. I think it was good prophecies, by the way, but I cannot remember what they were. <laughs> it was like we were so tired, but it was that hot, you know? And one of the things that I learned during the time we had to move from leading a congregation and what that meant of envisioning and, and setting the vision for a church and going to nations to coming into a congregation under Ryan Kingsley, who was half my age, and coming into that, that situation that I had to learn. That having a coffee with someone is just as important as preaching an awesome preach. that the kingdom of God is extended one life at a time. So I could preach the biggest preach. I can do the best altar call and people can raise their hands. But unless I get together with those people who raise their hands and walk them and disciple them over cups of coffee, I don't know if the kingdom's going to advance as rapidly. I think it does. I think the word preached always doesn't return empty, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Jesus said in Matthew 27, verse 21 to 23, which, uh, which Jesus, I haven't got it up there, but it's that scripture where, where Jesus, uh, at judgment day, the people come to, to Jesus, stand there and they said, Lord, I did this for you, I did that for you, I did this for you. And Jesus said, I don't know you. But then others, he said, come and enjoy the paradise. What is that? He said, come in and enjoy everything. Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Not when you preached. <laughs> Not when you went down on a huge ministry trip or when you went overseas. Those things are so important. But when we lose sight of the individual and the one, I think we lose a huge portion of what the kingdom of God is all about. Amen. Hopefully this is not too heavy. Because I want to encourage you because every single one of us, I believe, We'll never be a Paul. Paul was like out there, this apostle. But I think, I think every single one of us can be a little bit like Barnabas. So we can want to be like that. This is a father of our faith. It's an example of the father heart of God. The goodness of God. God adds. God added. Joseph will add. He represented the father's heart. 
God adds huge value to your life. We need to be adding value to the lives of others, and that's the life of this church. Amen? Okay. So um, actually, this is a message to all of you. All of you. You full of the Holy Spirit? I hope so. Full of faith? If not, get full of faith. Read, his, read the Bible. Read the Word. Start believing in what He says. Okay. Are you adding momentum to this church? I, I actually very strategically put my water in place where I can't kick it over. I, had a bit, I was a bit worried when I saw this plant here earlier, and I thought, I think at some stage during my message tonight, I'm going to trip. These plants, by the way, are very interesting. I don't know what they're called. But I, okay, thank you. That. But you know where they thrive? They thrive in the light, and when they get lots of water, and then they flower all the time. That for someone here. Stay in the light. Drink of the water of the word. And you'll flower. Okay. okay, are you adding value? So, okay, so he was a godly man, he was a good man, then he was a generous man. So he, bought, he, had, a, he had a field that belonged to him. It was his field. It was his inheritance. It belonged to him. And he said, I, he sold it and brought the proceeds. And he didn't say, he brought it and he put it at the apostles' feet. And he didn't say, I want you to use it for that. And then I want you to use it for that. And I want you to use it for that. And I want you to use it. There was nothing that obligated him to sell that piece of ground. Nothing that obligated him that caused him to put it at the feet of the apostles and say, use it as you seem best. The only thing that he obligated was the love of Jesus that impacted his heart. He knew something that he had received. He needed, the world needed. There's this generosity. He laid it at someone's feet without the control of the result. His inheritance, he put it at the apostles' feet. And I'll show you at the end that because he laid his worldly inheritance at the feet of the apostles, he gained an inheritance in eternity. Because you and I are still learning from him. You and I are still bearing fruit from his life and his message. How generous are you? I remember we, um, we sold a house when we moved to Mossel Bay, my wife and I. We sold a house. It was paid off. We had no debt on that house. We sold that house and the proceeds, the profit we put into the church plant. And six years ago, for the first time, we, got, we were in a position to be able to buy a house six years ago for the first time in nothing close to, well, it was 17 years or something like that. But I see what's happening in Mossel Bay. And I see there's our inheritance. I don't know, the seeds that we sowed and there's watering that's been done subsequently, but man, there's a seed that we planted in our lives. That selling of the house, we, that worldly possession materials don't have, didn't have a hold on us. We had two boys, six and nine or something like that, gave up their home.
Is there anything we're holding on to? Is there anything we're holding on to? Are you will, what are you willing to give for inheritance in eternity? See, material wealth and possessions didn't have a hold on him. They did not possess him. And God has an, e- a, a, an eternal inheritance in the nations for us. That's why we put part of 412. So how generous are you? I think something of you mentioned today. That's was great, just with regard to the almsgiving. Tithing, that's just, we do that. That's, faith, that's being faithful with what God said and obedient. We give to those who are poor amongst us, like they did there. Sell fields to give to people who are in need. There is no needy one amongst them. Joseph added his inheritance to that church. Joseph added to the church. How are we doing for time? Oh, my goodness me. Okay. No. Okay, not too bad, not too bad. So he was, a, he was a godly man. He was a really good man, showed the goodness of God. Loved by God, showed the goodness of God, and then he showed the generosity of God. And that is, he, he gave what didn't belong. He gave beyond what is expected, beyond what is obligated. The next thing, he was a glad man. <laughs> a glad man. So what happens is, the church is happening, and then the great persecution uh, breaks out amongst the church. Um, Stephen is martyred, and standing there is Saul, holding on all the coats of those stoning Stephen. Stephen is martyred. As a result of that, the great persecution breaks out. The Christians scatter, probably go from Jerusalem, maybe to their most, maybe to their home countries, to their home cities where they come from. Or they just scatter and there they go. And what happens is there's so much in these believers of what happened to them. Home churches start, then communities start, and suddenly there's a church happening in the city. And so things were happening in in Antioch. Okay, so we we pick it up in Acts 11, verses 19 to 24. uh, So now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Like I said, they thought it was a gospel just to the Jews at this stage. But there were some of them, by the way, Barnabas was mixed, eh? Was both Jew and Greek, by the way. So he wasn't pure Jewish, okay. Um, Then men of Cyprus and Cyrene uh, were coming to Antioch, spoke the the healers, and some of them, uh, sorry, these are guys, foreigners got saved, okay? The healers, the the, the people from Cyrene, these people get saved. And it says, yeah, I love this part. It says, and the hand of the Lord was with him. The hand of the Lord was with him. The hand of the Lord is with Musenberg. Okay? The hand of the Lord is with him. And a great number who believed, uh, believed turned to the Lord. The report this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. There he is. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, there we go, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Let me, let me just remind you that there was persecution. 
the church was under threat. And yet, Barnabas, because he was full of the Holy Spirit and conviction and full of faith, when they asked him to go, he said, I'm not going to be intimidated by circumstances. I'm not going to feel fearful of what may happen to me. My life no longer belongs to myself. I'm going to go and see what the Lord's doing. So he goes there, and he sees the hand of grace on the people. He sees the hand of grace, and it made him exceedingly glad. He recognizes the grace of God, and that gives him great joy. And this joy gives birth to courage. Hello? Did you know that despite the circumstance you may find yourself in, that if you've got joy, you bring courage to others? When you find yourself in a difficult circumstance and there's a suffering or you're going through persecution or hard times, whatever it is, and you are able to find the joy of the Lord, His joy over you, you'll find your strength and you'll find your courage. So when we find ourselves in the joy of the Lord, we position ourselves, we find joy, and joy is a choice, it's not an emotion. We find our joy, and when we find our joy, it is captivatingly infectious. And you bring courage to others. Don't lose your joy. How do you, how do you, stay, how do you stay joyful? How do you, how do you find that joy? See the hand of God on your life. See the hand of grace on your life. Man. There's just been so many stories in, my, in our lives just of difficult times. We were going through a really difficult time in the church in Mossel Bay, and, and there was a drought in those times. Somehow, in that difficult time, we had to fight for joy. That may sound really difficult. Um, there, was a, there was a drought, there was a physical drought, there was a spiritual drought, and we, we were emotionally <laughs> drained. But somehow we found the joy of the Lord, I believe, I think we did. And that gave us strength to carry on. It gave us courage to carry on. How's your joy levels? Doing good? Bring courage to others. Bring courage to others. Barnabas was not intimidated by the persecution. He was willing to stand up for the truth. And then he says this, basically says, and this guy encourages them. It's, to encourage basically means to inspire with courage. He inspired them with the joy, with his body language and the message. He says, remember who you are. Remember where you belong. And remember who you're doing this for. That's what he's saying to the church. Encourage them. Man, a man of courage is a man who encourages. Joy brings courage, and courage inspires courage. Encourage.
Those who have find uh, joy in their lives are the ones that are the greatest encouragers in the church. Amen. Hopefully you see me. So joy is a choice. Okay. Choose joy no matter what your circumstances are. And you see you, you choose joy by believing, believing by faith that the hand of God's grace is on your life. You're saying, this is who you are, man. This is where you belong. This is who you're doing this for. We can do this together. That's what you're saying, basically, to that church. We can do this. And you know what? If they take our lives, this is not our life. This is not our world. This is not our world. Our world is with Jesus. That's what he did. Don't lose. I wrote this down. Don't lose sight of the Lord of the work because we're doing the work of the Lord. Don't lose sight of the Lord of the work. We are doing the work of the Lord. Is that mine? Okay. <laughs> right. So he was a generous man. He was a glad man, a man of joy. And then he was a gracious man. So you must remember that Saul was a persecutor of the church. He was the persecutor. He is persecuting the church. I just want to say I'm not doing it for time. I'm nearly done. Okay, let me. And I want to very quickly. And it says here in, in chapter 9, verse 26 to 27, and Paul, this is, and when he, Paul, came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. This is after he was born again, eh? And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. The, the Christians, the leaders, James, John, and Co., the big ones, Jesus' disciples, did not believe that Paul was a disciple. Understandably, he was killing them. He was persecuting them. But it says, it says, but Barnabas <laughs> took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he preached boldly in the name of Jesus. In Acts 11, Acts 11, the church, the church now, the church in Antioch is growing. It's the very next verse after all that God added the church. Who does he go to? He says there in verse 25 to 26, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. He knew that there's something on Paul's life that he couldn't do. He knew that Saul, who became Paul, was the one who would take this church further and grow this church. He wasn't intimidated by brokenness. Can I say that again? He was not intimidated by Paul's history and Paul's pedigree. He put, Barnabas took, put his leadership, his integrity on the line for Paul, the persecutor of the church. See, God saves, God heals, and God uses broken people. And Barnabas saw that, and look what happened. No one is disqualified from God. The gospel is the power of God for anyone, and everyone believes and can change everyone. And even in that, 
God uses those who are unqualified. He's the one that qualifies us. He uses those. And this is what Barnabas saw. He saw something in Paul and he said, I see the best in you. I see the best in you. He promoted him above him. As you know, what happened? Okay, next one and go through this very quickly. He was a going man. He was a going man. Uh, Acts 11, 19 to 30, there's a great famine. By the way, it was just prophesied that there's a great famine, by the way. And they prepare for famine. So he's this, this church leader, this great apostle, leading a big base church in Antioch. There's a famine. And the people there decide, the leaders decide, send Paul and Barnabas to take food to the poor. Wait, an apostle taking food to the poor. (laughs) Man, this man was available. Willing to go, man, sent. And then he gets sent out, it says uh, in chapter 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then after fasting and prayed, they land their their hands on them, sent them off. He was willing to go. He was willing to give up the church that he planted, the church that he had invested his time, his energy, he'd raised up leaders, whatever case, but he's willing to let it go for the sake of the gospel. You see, he sold a piece of land for an internal inheritance and that did something in him. This world doesn't hold, hasn't got a hold on me. Open heart means open hands. And finally, with this, I'm concluding, I'm landing with this. Because it's a similar, it's a similar, similar vein. There's a man in, in uh, Acts chapter 15. John Mark. The story goes that they're going on. A th- I don't know if it's the second or third missionary trip. And uh, Paul says, "Let's go to the church and encourage them all." And Barnabas says, "Let's take John Mark with us." And Paul says, "No, he hasn't been faithful. He ran away and went to his mommy." That's actually what he did do. He was too scared. He was full of fearful, and he was dis- he was discouraged. Whatever I don't know what it was, but he was. And Barna- and John and Barnabas saw something in John Mark. He said, "We're taking him with him." I'm not. I'm not. I'm rel- relentless in pursuit of seeing this man come through for God. And Paul said he's not faithful, but Barnabas was faithful because he saw something that Paul didn't see. The beautiful story is that John Mark does go with Barnabas, and Paul sees that, and there's a, there's a reconciliation that happens, and John Mark gets to write the Gospel of Mark, on which the Gospel of Matthew is written. Gospel? Barnabas. He saw someone at their worst, but he saw God's best. How are we doing? And our encouragement of others. Gandalf said to Bilbo, <laughs> in, in uh, The Hobbit, says to him, you're sitting, uh, in, while he's in the Shire, I don't know if you've watched that movie, whatever the case is, 
that in the Shire, that's his little nice, little comfortable little underground little place. All his things in place, all nice, all comfortable. My house, me, don't disturb me, peace. You know, that's what he is. You know, and uh, Gandalf says to him this. He says simply to him, this, he says this. You've been sitting quietly for too long. Musenberg. Have you been sitting quietly for too long? And it's not making but making a loud noise. About a year ago, I can't remember how long ago it was, but about a year ago, we went out with Harper and Matty to a meal for a, for a meal at the Spur and everything. And Kim's demeanor and felt she was down, whatever the case is. Wasn't feeling so, so I don't know what it was. Kim was, she was, she was a bit of a cloud, I think. And Harper was five at the time. Uh, shovels, uh, come, comes close, snuggles up to her and says, Nana, make sun, not shade. Some of us make more shade than sun. As uh, someone who's been on a journey for a long time, I think we can all be like Barnabas. We can be adders. We can be encouragers. We can be those who inspire courage. We can fight for joy. We can be the people that God wants us to be um, simply by a word, by a WhatsApp message, by scripture, by coffee. Every single one of us can do that. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, and you've got a measure of faith, God can and will, will use you. In Revelation, John has, uh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, John has this incredible encounter with the risen Lord Jesus, the Jesus he'd never seen before. Never seen him before. It's seen him ministering, it's seen him serve, serving, seen him in the home, feeding, washing feet. It's seen him on the cross. He'd seen the risen Lord Jesus with the nail prints in his hands, but he'd never seen the Jesus that he saw in the Revelation standing on the throne, coming off the throne, eyes, fire, and, and hair like wool, this resurrected Jesus, and he falls flat on the ground, the disciple that Jesus loved in absolute fear. And then the verse comes, but the right hand of the Lord came upon him and said don't be afraid now write the letters to the churches I want to say the right hand of the Lord is upon us God's hand is upon us he wants you to write a letter he wants you to be that letter he wants you to allow him to write his greatness his goodness his love his generosity his goodness all these things. He's, he's wanting to go and be a blessing. He's wanting to see the best in others. He wants to write those things on our hearts so that we can begin to write God's love letter on our lives so people can read it. You just need to open the book so people can read, read, read your life. Amen. Trust that.